It's recorder. There we go. So much easier than the other one I had last time. All right. Well, welcome to Sunday night uh, Bible study, church service, prayer meeting. Uh, we're in Second Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse thirteen. We're going to wrap this up, and it hopefully will be brief, paquito, because we got some praying to get done, and then. Uh, We'll be out of here. So, Second Corinthians chapter seven. The Bible says uh, we're going to pick it up in verse thirteen. Number of rebellion. Uh, this is the end of the chapter. It says, "Therefore, we were com- comforted in your comfort, yea, and exceedingly the more joyed uh, we for the joy of Titus, because his spirit was refreshed by you all. For if I had boasted anything to him of you, I am not ashamed." But as we speak all things to you in truth, even so our boasting, which I made before uh, Titus, is found a truth. And his inward affection is more abundant toward you, whilst he remembered the obedience of you all, how with fear and trembling you received him. I rejoice, therefore, that I have confidence uh, in you in all things. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that uh, the situation that was going on in Corinth was uh, being rectified. And we're thankful for the coming of Titus and the report that he gave to Paul and, and how they had, um, there was uh, rejoicing and refreshing fellowship that was occurring there. Lord, I pray, God, that as we uh, wrap up this chapter, Lord, that you bless the reading and the hearing of your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that our uh, prayer life tonight would be fervent and effectual and avail much. Lord, we live in a day uh, where we can we sense your coming very soon. Lord, I pray, God, our hearts to be ready. Uh, Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that uh, that the soil of our hearts would be tender to the Word of God. Uh, Lord, pray, Lord, tonight for uh, your saints and your church, your the leadership of this church. I think about uh, Jeremy Bonison and Randy Foster, Jim Boyette, Lord, uh, in particular. Thank you, God, for these men and all the men that lead the church, all the pastors and their different ailments and difficulties and challenges. Pray, God, for the whole church body. I thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness, their steadfastness, the the fervent uh, joy that we have. Lord, we pray, God, a blessing on the reading and the hearing of your word tonight. And, uh, Lord, I pray, God, that we would be, um, when we get to heaven, Lord, there would be a good report. We just thank you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, we're on point three. We should provide refreshing fellowship. That's where we uh, left off. And uh, and so verse 13, Paul says, Therefore we uh, were comforted in your comfort, yea, and exceedingly uh, the more joyed, the, the word joyed I want to focus on tonight, uh, for the joy of Titus, because his spirit was refreshed by you all. So, you know, there was joy being shared about. There was joy in Titus's life. There was joy uh, in the life of the Corinthians. There was joy in the heart of the Apostle Paul uh, because he was refreshed, uh, because Titus was refreshed. And so because Titus got refreshed, Paul got refreshed, and it's kind of contagious. So our joy produces joy in others. That's the point A, 2 Corinthians 7.13. Nehemiah 8.10, a verse that you guys know. Uh, Ezra commanded during the uh, time of national repentance, then said he then said he unto them, Go your way, and eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions unto them, uh, whom nothing is prepared, for the, this day is holy unto the, uh, to our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, we, we quote that verse a lot, but it really... Um, is in dealing with you know the giving of the law under Ezra Nehemiah eight ten, and they were not really happy. They were sorrowful because some of the older folks were uh, you know well just hearing the word of God and hearing what they hadn't done uh, caused them to be sorrowful. So it was a day to rejoice, not a day to be sorrowful. So we, we got to choose to be joyful, and uh, we got to look for things that make us joyful. And one of the things that we learn here is uh, joyfulness begets more joy. Joyfulness begets more joy. 
So Titus's report produced joy in the heart of Paul. In Proverbs 15.23, the Bible says, A man uh, hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word uh, spoken in due season. How good is it? Uh, or it, it, it should be how good it, yeah, how good is it is what it is, but it's an exclamation point. So it's like, it's really good. That's how Proverbs 15.23 states it. So um, a word spoken in due season uh, makes you really get fired up in a good way. And then you have, uh, you know, Paul's joy. We understand that, that Paul's joy is a joy that we experience from our, our, our child's willing obedience. So Paul is like a father here when he sees that the Corinthians are doing the right thing, and he's joyful that they refresh Titus. So Proverbs twenty three twenty four says, The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Uh, and of course, the conversely, right? A mother who has a child that causes sorrow. This is I'm just paraphrasing off the top of my head. It's not good, right? It's not good for a child that causes sorrow to their parents. So, but a good child causes joy in the heart of the parent. So Paul's got this joy going on from Titus's joy from the Corinthians being obedient. In Third John. Verse 2, the Bible says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth. And then he says, Paul says here, I, or John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So that's a great joy that we have when we hear that our children walk. It's like when you get a good report on your children. You're like, oh, thank the Lord. I'm glad to hear that. And so uh, isn't it sweet to hear from others when your kiddos walk in truth? And, uh, man, that's, what, that's uh, what Paul was getting from Titus. He's getting a good report back from Titus, and he's like, wow, uh, that's cool to hear. So point B on the outline there is it's refreshing to have confidence in your church family as well. In verse 14, he goes on to say, For if I have boasted anything to him of you, I am not ashamed. Let's just pause there. So Paul's saying, anything I said that was going on there that was good, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm, I'm boasting. Now, we think boasting is a bad thing, but uh, he's not meaning that in a bad way. Uh, but as we speak all things to you in truth, even so our boasting, which I made before uh, Titus, is found a truth. So what I said about you, good things I said about you, came to pass. So Paul's encouraged in that he has confidence in his church family. They did the right thing. So Paul obviously painted a prettier picture of the Corinthians to Titus than we read in 1 Corinthians. I mean, that's the truth of the matter. And... uh, and so Paul had boasted of the Corinthians' obedience to Titus and was refreshed and relieved to hear from Titus that his confidence in them was not in vain. And so they'd turned the corner there. So there's a practical point, because if we don't expect our child uh, uh, or disciple our church family to do well, uh, the changes, uh, I'm sorry, do well, um, I got my notes messed up. What I'm trying to say is, if we don't if we don't have uh, expectations of our children or our disciples or our church family to do well, the chances are that they will not. Not the changes; it's the chances. Chances are they will not. So, if we create a, a self fulfilling prophecy when we constantly preach disappointment to our spiritual family or our physical family, you know, if we just constantly tell everybody they're losers, after a while they're going to think they're losers. And uh, I remember a friend of mine who was in prison told me one time after being in the penitentiary he says it once you he goes when you treat men like animals after a while they start to act like it and i never forgot that you know when you cage them up long enough not that they don't need to be caged up but that they start to act like an animal and so 
I always remember that. So, uh, you know, we have to have expectations that our children will do good. And, uh, and of course, in this case, Paul's almost pleasantly surprised, it sounds like. <laughs> so he's, uh, but he's really encouraging them that he's thankful. And he's also letting them know that he's, he's uh, spreading good gossip about them, as I call it, uh, positive things, not negative things. And so, um, you know, just practically, you know, this is good for me. You know, have I told my children lately how much potential I see in them? And do we express confidence in their obedience? You know, I just had a, a you know a pretty hard discussion with my daughter this morning. Not not a rebuking way, but it wasn't a positive. I mean, it wasn't that positive. I tried to make it as positive as I could. Um, uh, but as I was saying that, I I, I was I was uh, praying to the Lord. I won't get into the details, but I was just telling the Lord as I was talking to her, I'm like, Lord, I want this to be encouraging. I don't want her to. I don't want her to hear. I know what I'm saying can be taken negatively, but I, I want her to know I'm saying this because I care, right? Not because I'm trying to beat her down and tell her she's a disappointment, you know, type of thing. So, um, anyway, we do have to be careful, you know, with our words and how we address uh, people who are under our influence. Um, but at the same time, if we don't expect obedience, we likely won't see it, right? So, there needs to be an expectation of, of obedience as well, or we won't see it. And so um, I had a good conversation with a man today who was struggling over sin, you know, and, and, and uh, instead of just telling him don't sin, I'm like, well, listen, you know, I gave him actually practical steps on how to overcome sin. You know, Galatians 5, walking in the Spirit, I was him, trying to help him understand, you know, not it's not about the sin, it's about filling up with something that replaces it, you know, so that's why you got to be saved. And that's why you got to have the Word of God in you, because it's like a meal. And when you eat, like I like sugar, I know it's not good for me, but if I eat a good meal, then I don't want sugar as much. So I don't have to have ice cream if I get filled up with something else. But if I'm hungry and I'm not, and I fill it with ice cream, I want more ice cream, you know. And that's not good. So sin's the same way, you know. We need to fill up with the Word of God first. And so, giving kids and adults practical things to do uh, is really important. And so. Point C, it's refreshing to know that saints, uh, the, to know saints who fear God. Verse 15, he says it, and his inward affection is more abundant towards you, whilst he remembereth the obedience of you all, uh, while he remembereth, I'm sorry, the obedience of you all, how with fear and trembling you received him. And so, uh, Paul states that Titus was inwardly affectionate to the church in Corinth because they received him with fear and trembling. So they actually showed respect uh, to Titus. The respect shown to Titus was a reflection of the respect the church had to the Apostle Paul as an apostle, which is a big issue, right? It's an issue at Corinth. Um, and Paul actually um, you know, had to deal with, um, with, and still has some things to deal with that, because not everybody actually did respect Paul. Uh, but some of the people did, and and they could see that in the way they received Titus. So that was encouraging for Paul as well. So point C is it's refreshing to know saints who fear God. Uh, you should not fear men, but we should have a healthy fear of God as our Father. Uh, because of that, we should have respect for God's ministers. Uh, not, and I don't mean that in regard to just people who are in the ministry as preachers. I mean people who minister. We should, uh, we should understand and have uh, respect for those that serve the Lord. Uh, which the world has no respect for those that serve the Lord. But in Romans 13 and verse 3, the Bible says, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? 
Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same, for he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that is evil. Right? So rulers aren't a terror to good works, but to evil. Um, so, uh, you know, we shouldn't be afraid of the power if we're doing good. Then you should have praise of the power. Of the power. I've actually recently had some interactions with the powers that be, so this is really fresh. We would submit to every ordinance of man as well, uh, but even if they're unjust, you got to do it in a way that is, not, is honorable to the Lord. So, um, but understand that uh, the, the powers that be, they have... They have certain authority that's been given to them by the Lord, so honoring them is honoring the Lord. Uh, a godly saint will have respect for authority even if they don't agree uh, with its morality. So, Or even if you respectfully disagree. The main thing is if you disagree, do it respectfully. So Paul didn't argue with morality, the morality of the Romans, but he submitted to their legal system uh, to the death. So he was willing to die under their legal system. And uh, and I think that's really good. That's more. I think Christians need to be increasingly thoughtful about how Paul handled himself under the Roman yoke, uh, because you know in due time, you know we may find that same need ourselves in days to come. So, teaching um, away the church. So it's important to to know how to handle yourself. Paul didn't agree, obviously, with the morality when we go. We, we were in Acts and we saw some of the people that were cross examining him. He didn't bring up their lack of integrity or their moral character when it's it's literally, literally famous infamous to this day in, in recorded history none of that's even talked about um he just dealt with the facts i'm trying to get the gospel out this is what i'm doing if that's a, gonna that's what i'm gonna die then let me die you know that's what i'm doing that's what i'm all about so uh he picked his battles wisely so point d uh refreshing fellowship produces confidence refreshing fellowship produces so Paul expresses his confidence in the saints uh, to continue in obedience in all things. Um, and that's a, that's verse 16 when he says there, I rejoice therefore that I have confidence in you all, or in you in all things. So what a difference from his, his uh, epistle of 1 Corinthians where he's like, Man, guys, I'm wondering what you're all about. You know, I, I partly believe it. You know, I hear all these things from you, and, and I, I have to believe that uh, they're true. You know, so his tone has changed. Uh, even though, by the way, as we finish up the book of Second Corinthians, not everything's perfect, and not everybody's really on board with Paul, but Paul is on board with them. And uh, that's also educational for those of us in ministry. So Paul expresses his confidence uh, in the saints to continue in obedience in all things. Uh, the church at Corinth was far from perfect, but Paul uh, was sure they would be obedient to God. And man, that's, uh, isn't that something to think? You can, not, you can be far from perfect, but you have to be obedient. How is that so? That's a question. How can we be far from perfect yet be obedient to God? Because the Corinthian church wasn't perfect. He still has a few things to share with them. You guys know? Right. So in that condition, when we have skin on, uh, and we know that we struggle with it, so we're not... We are complete positionally, but not practically, right? So our flesh is still giving us fits. Uh, how can we be obedient to God if our flesh doesn't, if we don't always obey God? What's that? The spirit. The spirit. 
and obedience when we do fall it's really a time lost as soon as we as soon as we as soon as we you know it's really a, a willingness to deal with sin as much as anything when sin is made aware the spirit of god makes us aware of sin and and it's really our willingness to deal with it that is really what's going to get us ahead not our not the knowledge thereof right because technically if we knew everything we're so sinful by nature there's probably things we do wrong we don't even know what we're doing wrong we're just covered in grace but when we do sin and god convicts us of it do we deal with it or do we we just ignore it do we quench and grieve the spirit you know well that's a there's a big difference and so paul is confident um you know in them even though they're not perfect he's confident that they're now what's they've already dealt with sin a big sin in their church and he can see the evidence of it there's fruit and so now he has confidence in them not that they're not going to have more problems with sin but that when they have problems with sin they're going to deal with it you know and that's really i think the lesson practically you know that we can all take away is we want god to have confidence in us and if we want god to have confidence in us it needs to be because that when we do recognize sin we don't hide it under the tent floor that we deal with it so um so we should surround ourselves with christians who are confident uh and are following christ so it's refreshing when you can predict that a brother or sister is going to handle things biblically even when they're wrong right um and so that doesn't mean uh every brother or sister is always uh, this happens to me quite frequently actually this happened this week i don't remember even the exact people involved i remember sitting talking with someone about something and even if i remember it i'm not going to share it with you but i just assured somebody whoever it was they were talking to uh, i was like i'm sure this is what they're going to tell you and what I'm doing is expressing confidence because I just know that person's a biblical person. So they're going to handle it biblically. They're going to handle it with biblical wisdom. It doesn't mean they're perfect, you know, it doesn't mean they bat a thousand, but they're going to handle it well. And as it ends up, they probably, I don't even remember the scenario now, so praise God, I've forgotten the, the details. But but this actually just happened to me this week. So I said, you know what, um, I'm pretty sure that they probably meant this or that or the other thing, whatever the situation was. You might want to go talk to them, but confidence. I'm confident, right? Their motives are pure, their actions are pure. Is there a chance that maybe they made a mistake? Yeah, maybe. But the reality is that testimony of whoever I was talking about was there. I was confident in their testimony because, you know, historically, that's who they are. doesn't mean they don't make a mistake every once in a while. So it's awesome when you can predict that in the body of Christ. Uh, So we do instill confidence in people when we, uh, do we, I mean, the question, another question is then do we instill confidence in people when we mess up, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, that's how you think about that too. The Corinthians actually instilled confidence in Paul after they messed up because they revenged their disobedience with obedience. And so that's how we instill confidence when we mess up and we all do mess up. So there's kind of a formula right there for, um, confidence right there in the end of that little chapter seven of second Corinthians. So, um, so in conclusion, there's no condemnation to those who reconcile with God, but God sees us as his beloved children and we're part of his beloved bride. So God has created us to obey. He expects us to, to correct our course and not follow in sin, the prodigal son, uh, but come back, right? Repent, rejoice, refresh others who may be in sin or trouble because at the end of the day we need stories of victory victory over sin so 
that's the uh, that's the end of the matter, and that's the conclusion. Uh, we went from a job description to relational discussion. So chapter six is dealing with the the job description. Chapter seven really is dealing more with the relational aspects of of the ministry and uh, and the credible Christian life. So there's a, there's kind of a duty on the in chapter six, and then there's a um, and really the fruit of doing the right thing in chapter seven, and it deals with those restored relationships, real repentance, and refreshing fellowship and those all go hand in hand together so any questions on that comments all right i apologize once again for being tardy to this party so i'm going to spread these out as i'm preparing for prayer um Uh, yes, there was uh, Cassie Anderson came and she's going to get lined up. And uh, Cassie's a sweet, yeah, I'll be praying for her in March. She's going to be deployed to, uh, for a year. So she's only going to be in for a few months, but we'll be happy to. I told her that's great. We're happy to have you. And uh, so she's she's uh, going to be out. We had a great um turnout for next steps today uh people coming out of the woodwork i don't even know most of them and um and then some of them are already in discipleship we're going to have a couple baptisms lined up for next week um and so that's a blessing um yeah god's i was in the pastor meeting just telling them god's god's building his church you know it's what he does and so it's pretty awesome i mean that's really cool to what for me yeah, well, hey, whatever way he wants to build it, I'm all up for it. So, <laughs> just as long as we're we're doing God's will. So, um, yeah, so that's that's a good thing. Um, so that's good. Ron, did you have something, brother? Um, not specifically. Just okay. We'll do. Yeah, Ron's uh, didn't get to go out and see his family. That's mix them up so we can all kind of get a little bit of this and that so hopefully that works out good we need to make sure we're updating that too So you're now they're looking into your lungs, and that is uh, we're praying for that. I I saw Doris this week and was asking her about that. So oh, good. And the praise is today at like one thirty in the afternoon. Matthew Joseph was born. Oh. 
in Guatemala, and he looks sort of like his brother. Oh. Anyway, I'm so glad. So you're, that makes you a grandma again. Yes. Yes. Oh. Oh, that's neat. I was I'm friends with them on Facebook, so I, I saw that. Not that I saw that the other day. Uh, she liked something here at Heartland, so anyway, that I'm was good. Glad that that is over Yeah. Well, praise the Lord. Happy birthday. What's his name? I think it's going to be Matthew Joseph. Matthew Joseph. What that did they Mateo what's it in Spanish? It would be Mateo Jose. Jose. Matthew Jose. Okay. Mateo Jose. That they'll have it in English. Are they still looking to come here? Oh yes. As soon as you know things are safe to travel. Do they think they're gonna be able to get visas and everything? Okay, good. Oh, well, then that's no big deal. Oh, all she has to do is apply. Well, if he's a citizen, all she has, he just has to get here and then she can apply. And I didn't know he was a citizen. I was thinking he wasn't a citizen for some reason. But I guess because he's born to you, does that make him a citizen? Okay. Well, good for them. Well, I'll be looking forward to them coming back. And so Michael, we know, is the one who was taking care of it. Oh, okay. He still got his people up there in his office. Hmm. Yeah, I just talked to Mike last week. So, by the way, we're actually, I need, I'm glad I said that. Jeff, I need to remember, Mike wants us to send a team out. I forgot about that discussion until just now. So... Yeah, I forgot. I was just I was preoccupied with what I was legally talking to him about. So he wants us to send a team out for outreach, like as soon as in the spring or summer. So I'm I'm telling you because I need to remember that for our discussion next week because I totally forgot about it till just now. So that's something he's actually penciled in. So uh, so I need to get. I'm probably going to look at getting seeing if Chris Cohen could lead that effort. So anyway. Um, you know, I didn't ask. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think they're doing okay, but COVID, you know, it's 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 worse there than here. So they're pretty locked down, actually. I think up in uh, Baltimore and or Boston and Baltimore. So um, yeah, I don't think they're out moving around and doing stuff very well. So I don't know. I, I didn't really ask. I was kind of preoccupied. We were having some other discussions about other stuff, so it was kind of a side note. And on the way out the conversation, I was asking him about the, the the need for trips, and he needs trips, and I said that'd be an ideal trip, especially with COVID, for us to do something continental, et cetera, et cetera. And so he's like, I'm putting it on the calendar. I want to get that going. I'm like, okay, let's make it happen. So so that's going to be a – got to get that manned. I, need, I haven't told Randy either. I need to remember that. So, All right, so um, – be praying. We just had a breakdown on our press today, and uh, we'll get it fixed. It's under warranty and everything. So, um, but you know, that's we need to keep that equipment going because we actually we got a product to run. We got Bibles to print and so on and so forth. So, uh huh, the new one. Yeah, something broke. So uh, Randy's getting it fixed. So, maybe praying for Randy and Julie. They're pouring a lot of their time and energy into that that arrangement out there. And of course, Randy's. 
Randy's are doing so good with everything, but it's strenuous for his mind. So. Yes, very comprehensive. <laughs> so that was good. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get praying. Game starts in 30 minutes. Jeff can't wait to get home and see it. <laughs> he doesn't watch football. But I'll pray. I haven't prayed. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time to, to pray. I ask a blessing on our prayer time. And uh, thank you for the opportunity for us to meet tonight. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for the people came to the Next Steps meeting, the people getting baptized, the people getting saved, the people getting discipled. Lord, that's what your ministry is about. Thank you for all those that are wanting to be in the ministry and do the work of ministry. Heavenly Father, I pray a blessing on the... the uh, the reading and the hearing of the word. I pray a blessing on the prayer time we have tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oops. I'm going to have to have Brianna cut some of that.